Good morning, church. How's everybody doing? Wow, what an honor it is to be with you guys today. I want to thank Pastor Zach and Pastor Chris for allowing all of our campus pastors across all of our, our churches, our campuses today to, to be able to bring the word, share the message, and uh, what an honor it is for me to do so. Hey, I, I, just, I just got back from the beach like last night or yesterday afternoon and been a week on the beach with my family. How many of you love going on vacation to the beach? Come on, yeah. I, I think in our family that one thing I've learned through watching my kids and my grandkids, and now my grandkids, is that uh, sand is a must. If you're a little one, you have to eat sand. Uh, last year it was little Calvin. He would crawl along and his little apple would fall in the sand and he would pick it up. He didn't care if it was crusted. It was like a candy apple to him. He would just eat it. I've got a video. I, I, when he gets older, I'm gonna enjoy showing him that video. This year, it was Baker, little Baker, little one-year-old, and uh, he would be crawling along and all of a sudden, you'd just see him grab a whole handful of sand and cram it in his mouth and it was like the best thing ever, right? I mean, it was just incredible. Another tradition in our family that seems to be uh, happening as, my, as I now have grandkids is that you have to make frequent trips to either the hospital or to the doctor when you're at the beach, right? I can remember one time Candace and I took our, our children to the beach and I, three times, three times on a seven day trip, I was at the doctor's office and this year, uh, little Calvin uh, broke his arm. Um, how many of you know you're not supposed to jump off couches, right? Anyway, but he broke his arm and so he had a cast the whole time he was at the beach. You'd never know it. Uh, but uh, man, just some fun family traditions. Also, one other thing is, uh, you, you have to lose a child when you're on the beach. We, we just seem to be able to do that. Candace and I was pretty good at that as well. But anyway, hey, let's pray over today. Is that okay? God, we love you. We celebrate you. We're so thankful that we can open the word of God. And Lord God, that we can allow you to recharge us, to stir faith within our hearts, God. We love you and we thank you. We pray that you would have your way in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody that agreed said? Amen. Today I want to share a story. Candace just said that I was going to share some stories about our life, and so it's 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 both of us. But I'll I'll share some with you. In 1991, in the summer of 1991, we went to the hospital for the final check and expected delivery of our second child. Uh, we had a two at that time we had a two and a half year old little girl. Her name's Ashley, and Candace was a couple days overdue uh, at that point. And uh, anyway, she was great with child. Can, can I get any those women, the ladies who, in the house of that babies, you know what I'm talking about. When the Bible says Mary was great with child, but you, know what you, you know what that's talking about, right? Anyway, this beautiful girl that I, that I got married to just a couple years before, you know, this tall, slender, beautiful girl, man, when she got pregnant, it was like, whoa, out there. Like, I mean, like a wide load coming through. But now Candace can look at her husband like years later and say, well, that man that I stood at the altar with that was all thin and, you know, buff and all that, well, a little bit. But anyway, that, that now he looks like he could have a baby. Come on, guys, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? But anyway, Candace was great with child, but the evening before, the evening before, we were at church. It was a Sunday evening, I'll never forget it. Uh, she, she, we, we had worship and then afterwards we were sitting down and, and I could just see that look on Candace's face. She was worried about something. I said, what's, what's going on? And she said, the baby hasn't moved. And I said, well, honey, it's probably fine. It's probably moved down into the birth canal. It's getting still because it's ready to come out. Praise God. And it, it, that's probably why. And uh, guys, just weeks before we had 
prepared the nursery. We had painted it yellow, like a neutral color. We didn't know if we were having a boy or a girl. We had a baby shower, so people were buying us clothes and stuff that would, would go for a boy or a girl because we didn't know. We didn't want to know. So early Monday morning, we went to the hospital expecting Candace to be induced, the IV induced, where they induced labor and to have that baby. Doctor came in, did a preliminary check, and then he asked the ultrasound tech to come in and do an ultrasound. And then we got the news that no parent ever wants to hear that the baby, there was no heartbeat, that the baby had died. As you can imagine, and we were just in shock. We, 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 didn't, we didn't know what to think. What they told us after that was just a blur. So we went home. We got to the house. There was a, our neighbor met us there, uh, a gal named Teresa. She, she, she and Candace, they, she loved the Lord. They, they just spent some time just crying together and praying. And I went into our bedroom and, and I was just like, man, I was, I, was, I was angry. And I went to the bedroom and I was like, why God? And I was just, I got on my face on the carpet and just began crying out to God. And God's just as clear as I'm speaking to you right now. It was not an audible voice, but it was just in my heart. I heard Philip, Philip. So I got out, I went to the living room and I told Candace, I said, the baby's name's Philip. And she said, well, what if it's a girl? I said, well, then her name's Philip. <laughs> because I knew that God had spoke to me that name. So make a long story short, we went back to the hospital that afternoon. They did do an IV drip, that Pitocin. Ladies that have had that, you know what I'm talking about. That's some wicked stuff. Anyway, it made her go into, go into labor. And, and all that I can tell you is, is during that time frame, as I told the doctors, the nurses that were in the room, I said, hey, I said, if the baby lives, do you have everything in this room that, that's ready if the baby's alive? And they looked at me like I was an idiot, like I was a nut. And, and, and when I walked out of the room, they said, is he okay? Does, does he realize the baby's died? And Candace said, well, yeah, he, he, he knows the baby's died. But we serve a miracle-working God. And we believe... And we believe that if God desires that he can raise this child from the dead, so we just want to make sure that you have everything ready in case he does. And th then they thought we both were crazy at that point on. But, but anyway, later on that afternoon, the baby was born, a beautiful little dark-skinned, dark-haired little boy. And we asked everybody to leave the room. And we just held our son. And as we held him and we talked and we prayed, we held him up before the Lord. All that I can tell you is there's a peace that, that surpasses all understanding that came over us, a, a tangible, the Bible talks about it in Philippians chapter four, a peace that surpassed understanding that, that just grabbed our hearts. And as we were sitting there talking about it and talking to God about our son, we realized, it, it, we, it just became abundantly clear, Philip is with Jesus. And we, and we, he doesn't wanna come back. And we were, we were not inspired to pray for him to be healed, for him to become, return from the dead. And some of you that are out there, this is your first time here, you're like, okay, I knew this was a crazy church. But I'm telling you, God is a God of miracles. We knew that, that he was with the Lord and we just, we were at peace. How many of you know that those were some dark days for Candace and I? That was the darkest valley. But I want to also let you know that in the darkest days, only one thing brings light. And that is hope. That is hope. Only one thing, we've been talking about recharge, been talking about the light. Only one thing brings light, and that is hope. But if hope is, is light, what powers hope? 
in the dark days? What, what keeps hope from getting cut off or draining out or running dry? A long time ago, the uh, famous king, King David, wrote Psalm 23. We've been, how many of you have been enjoying the series Recharge? Pastor Chris taught last week. Wasn't that a powerful message? Yeah. And Pastor Zach and Rachel shared the week before on verse two, and Zach did chapter, verse one before. We're gonna talk about verse four today, but I want us to read this passage of scripture together. Can we read this out loud together? Y'all ready? We're back in school. I'm going to lead you, ready? The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, out loud. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with, with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. By, forever. Somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. We're going to focus on verse 4 today about walking through the darkest valley, how that we know we don't have to fear evil for God is with us. But before we get there, I want to take just a minute. Maybe there's some people in the room tonight today that, that man, you need hope. You, 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 you're here today, maybe you love God or maybe you don't even know God, but you need hope in your life. You need God to infuse some faith to believe that God really is with you, that he loves you, that he cares for you, that Jesus really is the son of God. That you don't have to approach God seeking for approval, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you are already approved of because of what Christ did for you. Maybe there's some people in the room that just need some hope. And you just, you just want God to speak to you today. You didn't want to come to church just to check a box. You're here because you want to hear. By even the back in the back row, you want to hear from God today. Would you stand up on your feet? I want to pray over you. Go ahead, stand up. Stand up on your feet. If you're believing God that he's going to speak, speak a word to you today, speak hope into your life, let me pray over you. God, thank you. Oh, God, we love you. Lord, would you speak to us? Lord, do you see the people that's standing and God, I know there's some people that are seated that they wanted to stand. They just, it's just uncomfortable. And I get that. God, I pray that you will speak to us. I pray you'll stir faith. You'll stir hope. God, I pray that as the word of God has spoken today, that it will jump off the, literally jump off the pages of the Bible and jump into our heart, God, that you'll give us just a word that you speak directly to us as individuals. Lord, we just pray. We, we just want you, Lord. We just want you. In Jesus' name, everybody that agreed said, amen. You can be seated, you can be seated. For a few weeks now, we've been plugging through Psalm 23 as part of a series called Recharge, talking about recharging our battery, how that God is our light. And in Psalm 23, 4, it says this. It says, well, if I can get to the right scripture, I'm sorry. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, everybody say darkest valley. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, God is our source. He's our one source that we can go to and we know that he can comfort us. He can be with us. We're all gonna go through some dark valleys. 
Maybe you didn't get, maybe today you're here and you haven't gone through the dark valley that Candace and I went through of losing a child, but you've been through some dark valleys. Jesus said in this life, you will have troubles. Maybe your darkest days are, are loneliness. Maybe your darkest days are anger. Pastor Chris talked about that last week, that that's one that he, man, has just been struggling with ever since COVID. That's just been a hard thing for him to work through. Maybe it's a failing marriage in your life or a relationship that's, that's not doing well. Maybe it's lingering sadness from a less than fulfilling life or less than fulfilling career. Maybe your dark days are unpaid bills. I'll never forget the day that we were backing out of the driveway at our house and we were going to the funeral for my grandmother and as we're backing out of the house, kids in the car, they're turning off our power. And Candace elbows me and she says, are, are, they, are, are they doing what I think they're doing? And I just smiled, I said, yes they are. Because I knew we, had, we didn't have money to pay the bill. How many of you know that even in the darkest valleys that God is with us? Some of you may have some children have gone sideways, right? Or like us, maybe you've lost a loved one. But how many of you know it's not God's design, it's not his best for you to stumble around in, dark, in the darkest of valleys all by yourself? Whether you know how you feel about God or how you feel about hope or what, how you feel about trusting God and believing that he is with you no matter what, we believe this. We believe in a God who is with us most brightly during our darkest days, even if we don't feel it. And while we at Faith Promise want to help in any way we can, we believe that there's only one source who can light the way from pain, from fear, and from doubt to give you faith, to give you hope, to help you know that he really does cause all things to work together for good according to Romans chapter 8. The Bible says in Hebrews 13 that he would never leave you. Everybody say never. That means never. He said he would never leave you. He would never forsake you. We believe that's exactly who King David was talking about when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. I want to remind you that when, when David wrote this Psalm, the one we're studying this, in this series called Recharge, that David was a king at that point. Most theologians believe that he didn't write it when he was a boy, that he wrote it when he was a king. But when he wrote the 23rd Psalm, what, did he, what came to his mind? Was it about his, when he was a king and the, and the incredible things he did as a king? No. David wrote it from the perspective of remembering of being a shepherd. When he was a young man, when he was out there keeping his daddy's sheep and he would look up in the sky and he would see just the stars and the awe and the wonder of God. David learned to fear God. But David also learned to trust God when, when he went through the dark valleys. That's why he could write verse four, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff come from me. That rod was used to strike things that would try to attack the sheep. That rod was used that the sheep would go under. He would count the sheep, examine the sheep. That staff they talked about, your rod and your staff. That staff, best, best thing I could, could understand about that, I used to be a lifeguard. And we had this thing on the side of our chair called a shepherd's crook. Shepherd's. And it had a little hook on it. If a kid started drowning or an adult, you could take that thing and just pull them right over to the side. 
Did you know that that's what the shepherds did? If a sheep tried to wander off, they would use that staff to keep them in line, keep them to guide them where they need to go. If they fell into a hole or got stuck in a thicket, they could stick that thing in there and, just, and pull the sheep free or pull them up out of the crevice. How many of you know that God is our protector? How many of you know that God guides us and leads us, that he's with us in the darkest of valleys? Can I get an amen on that? I want to remind you that David wrote this and he remembered that his daddy's sheep was taken by a lion. And his daddy's sheep was taken by a bear. I don't know about you, but in today's society, can you imagine a parent saying, hey son, if uh, something comes down and tries to steal our dog or our cat, I want you to chase after it and kill it, get a stick and kill it. Can you imagine that today? But that's what David did. He learned to trust God. When the dark times came, when the tough times came, he learned to trust God. David's faith, his trust, and his reliance was on God. He slew that lion and he slew that bear. He said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You see, David remembered those times and it led to him, to what God would lead him into. How many of you know David became a mighty king? He didn't he? Yeah, he reunited the kingdoms of Judah and Israel to one kingdom. That was a miracle in itself. David became the most famous king that ever lived. Even today, he's talked about, there's movies out about him. Even today, thousands of years later. But also David was being prepared because one day a mighty king, he's called the king of the kings and the Lord of lords, would be born through his lineage and David was being prepared for that. When he fought that bear, when he fought that lion, he was being prepared for what God would take him through. Let me ask you something, parents. All the parents say amen. amen. Let me ask you something, grandparents. Any grandparents here? Can I get an amen from you? When you're kids, when you're teenagers, when you're a young adult children, go through tough times. Are you bailing them out every time? Or are, you, are you teaching them to trust God, to lean into God, to know that God is with you no matter what, to not fear? Are you using those opportunities rather than looking at it as something that's horrible? Are you using those opportunities to teach your children? What about in your life? Are you realizing that God causes all things? Everybody say all things. He causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes, even the tough stuff. Jesus took his disciples in a boat and remember the storm came and they thought they were gonna drown. And what was Jesus doing? He was asleep in the front of the boat. You don't think he, he's God. You don't think he knew that there was a storm? What was he doing? He's letting them go through it when they needed to feed 5,000. Jesus looked at them and said, hey dude, you feed them. And they're like, we, don't, we, we can't do that. He was teaching them. He was teaching them. David was being prepared to face a nine foot, nine inch Philistine giant called, what was his name? Goliath. We all know that. It's terrified the armies of God. And I want to remind you that for 40 days, the armies of God, Goliath would come out and he would stand before the, 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 the armies of Israel and he would say, come out and fight me. And nobody would fight. fight. They were terrified. They were stuck in paralyzing fear and doubt and worry and anxiety. Some of us today, and we're stuck. Some of us today, we need to, we need to realize that God didn't tell you to, to walk through the darkest valley and get stuck there, did he? 
He said, even though I walk through, through, we keep moving, we keep moving, we keep trusting God. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, you, for, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You're riding your staff, they come for me. How about you? How about you? We know what happened. David fought that giant, just took one stone, slung that sucker, hit him right in the forehead. But before David went and fought that giant, he was taught, brought before Saul. And Saul said, you can't fight that giant, you're just a boy. And David said this in 1 Samuel 17. He said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear. He said, when it came to attack my father's sheep, he said, when, when the, the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear came to kill my father's sheep, he said, I will rescue them. And he did. And he said, God will protect me when I go fight this Philistine. And Saul said, go. And we know what happened. David went out there and he fought. He took that stone. It landed right in the giant's head. They fell like a big thud. And David, well, I won't give all the details, but David killed him. And God did an incredible miracle that day. You see, David remembered, there was a different spirit in David. David remembered that God was with him. If the enemy, Satan, could do anything in our lives as Christians, it would be to get us to, to, to forget that God is with us. Amen? Amen? That God is with us. When we go through tough stuff, that God is with us. I want to finish this time by talking about some things that happened in mine and Candace's life. As I told you earlier, we lost our son, Philip, and he died. Shortly after that, there was a funeral. We had a funeral for our son. But during that time frame, we learned some things. And the first one I want you, want you to know is if, to recharge your faith is to lay your request before God in prayer. Lay your request before God in prayer. So number one, lay your request before God in prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, Philippians 4 says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every, everybody say every. In every situation by prayer, first thing you do is you take it to God in prayer. With prayer by prayer and petition means you're very specific about what you're asking God for. With thanksgiving, that means you begin to thank God for the answer that he's got you. Sometimes it's by faith that we thank God. We give him praise and we thank him that he's, that he's taken us through something. Even in our heart of hearts, we're doubting, man, but we just continue to give God thanks. I promise you, the attitude of your heart will change. Faith will rise up. And the Bible says that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your heart in Christ Jesus when you do that. So when you're feeling anxious, man, do, Philippians 4, just lay it before God, give specifics, then begin to worship him and praise him and thank him for it. You'll start feeling differently, I promise you. We can't and I did it. We start asking God, Lord, we don't know how you're going to do it, but would you give us some children? You see, because she lost Philip, he died, full-term baby. Then a few months later, she got pregnant again. On Thanksgiving Day, she lost that baby. Another miscarriage. Then we went and had some blood work done. We found out that she had a blood clotting disorder. The doctor said, you'll probably never have any more children. So we, so, so we started laying this before God in prayer. Laying it before God in prayer. God, we want children. So Candace started pursuing adoption. And we were this close to adopting a little biracial, blue-eyed, beautiful little boy. This close. And if, if we had adopted him, we actually would have, been, it would have been like having twins because she got pregnant like right, right at that time. When the doctor said that was an impossible, it couldn't happen. But God caused it to happen. First, number one, take it to God in prayer. Amen? The second way that God recharged our faith, recharged our hope, and recharged our trust in him to know that he's with us was this, 
was to trust the Holy Spirit. Number one, take it to God in prayer. Number two, trust the Holy Spirit. I've learned to walk with, with, with and be led by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit, and embrace that. You see, because I was told as a young boy that the, the things of the Spirit are, 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 stay away from those, Mike. Those, those are wrong. My mom taught me that. And the reason she did is because she didn't know any better. She said, no. She didn't know what the Bible said about it. But the Bible teaches so much about walking with and being led by the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, it's better that I go to be with the Father so he can send the Holy, what? Spirit. That's right. In the fall, our group's ministry is going to be doing a study on the, on the gifts of the Spirit and the Spirit of God. So you're going to really enjoy that. Pastor, we teach on it as well. But Jesus told his disciples, it's better that I go be with the Father. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly, everybody say eagerly. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You see, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they edify or build up the church. The word edify means to recharge. We're talking about recharging like a battery. You want to recharge your batteries? Man, just start embracing that. The Spirit of God wants to lead you and guide you and give you the mind of Christ. Let me continue with God's story in your life. Some time went by, we were at a weekend conference being held at our church in Kingsport and the speaker was speaking that morning, the afternoon, uh, his daughter talked and when she finished speaking, she asked people to come forward. God had used her to pray for, for and heal people. It's called the gift of healing. Uh, once again, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, this is some weird stuff. Open the Bible, open the Bible. All that I can tell you is, is I grabbed Candace's hand. I said, we're going up there. We both had something that we needed prayer for, for healing. We went up there, the lady went down the line praying for people one by one. She had a headset microphone on like the one I'm wearing right now. And when she got to Candace, she prayed for her. When she got to me, she started praying for me. I remember I just had this goofy, silly grin on my face. Mid-sentence, she quit praying for me. She went back to my wife. She fell on her knees and she thrust her hands into my wife's womb and she began to prophesy, you will be a joyful mother of children. Your quiver will be full. She spoke Deuteronomy 28, the promises of God, that your trees will not cast their fruit before it's time. All that I can tell you is it stirred hope in our heart because we knew and the church that was with us, many of them had been there to our funeral. This woman didn't know us from Adam. God spoke that to her. And she spoke it over my wife. And it brought hope. The gifts of the Spirit will recharge your batteries. So number one, take your prayer request to God. Number two, trust the Holy Spirit. Number three, the third way that God can recharge your faith, can, can give you hope is to find and meditate on scripture that reflects what you're going through. It may, you may need healing. You may need restoration in your family or in your marriage. You may need God's provision in your life as you believe for a job or career. It may be regarding a sin, a stronghold in your life. Been there, done that. But God wants to set you free. If you ask him, ask God to teach you, ask God to show you whatever it is you're going through, go to the scripture. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal something to you. All that I can tell you, we were, we were teaching, a guy was preaching and he got to Mark chapter 11 where Jesus was talking about the mountain and he spoke, Jesus spoke to a fig tree and he cursed it and it dried up from its root. And by the way, Jesus did that so the disciples would hear him because he wanted them to learn something. And he did this, he said this, Jesus said, in the morning, I'm sorry, Jesus said this in verse 22, have faith in God, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone, everybody say anyone, 
If anyone says this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart, believes in what they, have say, what they say, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. That's just, that's just words on a page. No, it's the living word of God. And that day, it leapt off of the scripture in the Bible into my heart, into my wife's heart. And all that I can tell you, man, from that moment forward, we were believing God that he was gonna provide children for us. And I've already told you, we almost adopted a child. But really soon after that, Candace got pregnant. And along came this beautiful, blue-eyed, blonde-haired little girl named Whitney, little spitfire. Man, let me tell you, fire from heaven, woo! And then next came Michael. And then next came another pregnancy, and it was twins. At that point, I was like, okay, God, our quiver's full. I'm telling you, I believe there's some people here today. You're going through a mountain. And God wants you to draw near to him and know he's with you. He wants you to know that he loves you and he's there for you. Jesus laid his life down that cross so that you could be made in right standing with God. As a matter of fact, I want you to go ahead and stand up on your feet. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, if you, there's a communion cup in your seat if you want to grab that. For those of you that want to partake in communion. In 1 Corinthians 11, Jesus says, the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this when you drink it in remembrance of me. But he told him, he said, you need, to, you need to examine yourself. So before you take communion, or if you already have it, it's fine. But before you take communion, I want to challenge you just to spend some time talking to God. Maybe you need to pull aside with your, with your family or your spouse. You need to talk and pray. Maybe there's somebody that you've done something. Maybe, maybe you need to confess something to God. Maybe you need to go to one of our crosses and write something down and, and just lay it before the Lord. Maybe you need to come up and light a candle at our response tables all around the room and ask the Lord to light you on fire that you would be led by the Spirit of God. Our prayer counselors will be up front. If you need prayer, and we're here for you. God, thank you for what you've done here today. Lord, thank you for what you've done in mine and Candace's life, God, that Lord, we could just share a little snippet of that today. Pray that it would stir faith, it would stir hope in people's lives, it would recharge some batteries, God. Lord, we love you, we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray.